Shalom and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it. Wherever you are, Shalom and welcome to Malka Fleischer. Hello. Do you see how quiet it is in here as we start our show? See, do you hear anything? You guys hear any extra noise? No. No, we don't. And that's because only the laundry machine is going off, I think. And the reason we don't have extra noise is because the kids are at school. First day of school. Today was the first day of school. We literally launched them. Just now, but the uh, two kids went, one on a van, one on a bus, one walked. Now, this is my first time having kids on any bus, and now I have two kids on a bus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a little tiny bit scary. Yeah, yeah. One's but going awesome, to Jerusalem. But awesome, cool, cute. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, it's emotional a little bit. Yeah, a little bit emotional. I had some mom tears. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Classic, classic. That's but right. But it's great, and we want to wish all the beautiful little tiny little learners little people who want to get little tiny little educations. Right. And we want to wish them the very best. That's right. For health, happiness, safety, and success this year. Lots of friendships, lots of good learning, learning good stuff, not bad stuff. Good yeah. friends, not bad friends. Good teachers, not bad teachers. Also, uh, material that's useful. May you learn material that actually... That's what I'm saying. Good help. stuff. Yeah, I don't mean just good stuff. I mean like actually useful material. Uh, yeah, not like, like don't brain just filler. Be, right. Don't be just wasting your time at school learning things that are just not important like I did. Just like French social science in, 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 in 11th grade. Do you me a favor. You learned French social science in 11th grade? The history of, of France and stuff like that. It would, I remember yeah. none of okay. it. Okay, write into us, Ishai at IshaiFleischer.com. If you remember, and you cannot look it up, okay? If you remember who the Medicis are. If you remember who the Medicis are, and I'm pretty sure that if you went to high school in the United States of America, you learned about the Medicis. If you remember by heart, through your brain, who the Medicis are, write into Ishaifleischer.com. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know about that, and I don't remember who they are, some Italian family, whatever, some (laughs) Jewish banker family, I don't know. But the point is, is that like, um, I um, I learned a lot of stuff that I thought was was really useless at the time, especially, and the useful stuff that I needed to learn, like finance, like home finance, home ec, or uh, how to cook a, an egg, or how to use a power tool, or 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 basic change health, tire. change a tire, basic health, basic finance, plant um, a garden, yeah, right, ba- basic human life survival skills, negotiate a contract, right, uh, keep your teeth white and clean. Uh, what is good food? What is bad food? I learned about a lot. What is fix bad a, food? Fix a rip in a clothing. Right. Um, uh, basic good breathing techniques, stress management, good sleep habits. Help someone in a crisis. Right. All, all these things that are actually the things you actually need. And again, I, I actually um, also uh, always feel frustrated that they didn't, we didn't talk about the basic finances of life. Like insurance, checkbooks, a thing, you know. Well, you learn about compound I rem- interest. You know, in seventh grade, we um, I had a math teacher, and I remember we used to put our grades in to a checkbook. We had to like create this checkbook, and we would put our grades in, and we would balance the checkbook and all this stuff, and we would spend money and stuff. I remember that lesson, as you can see, even until today. But yeah, there's like other stuff too, like how to get a good mortgage, like what a good mortgage looks like and what a bad mortgage looks like. Finances. What, what like Finances investments as, are right. and what's a, like what's considered a good investment and a not great investment and how you get insurance, what's life insurance. Gotcha. Invest, uh, uh, yeah, but I'm saying there's, kinds, yeah, there's right. like a whole other level of stuff that's not like in and right. out. How to purchase the good right things. That they don't things. teach you at all. Right. They never teach you this stuff. They never teach it to you. And you're like, 
and you're out there floundering in this world and you're out there you know try, the point the, the point is is that if i would if i would be a you know a director of a high school i would i would be working on giving people giving my students life skills life skills all right, Maka, we got a lot of Israel stuff uh, to talk about. Uh, one of the reasons we're so excited about, about the first day of school is because the strike was averted. And there's a kind of perpetual, there's like it's part of the Israeli life is that you have teacher strikes, that they're fighting with the government to get more money. And, and the way that they use uh, is the, 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 the leverage that they have is the kids' last days of schools and first days of schools. That's pretty annoying. We also it's said- not just annoying, it's, it's kind of cynical. Yeah, there's a cynicism there, but they'll say, uh, the, you know, they'll say the other side is cynical and there's nothing you could do. With, you know, you can never negotiate with them in good faith without without using something like this. On the other hand, we sent one child to the uh, ultra orthodox system. No, that- not exactly. I don't like that term either. Ultra orthodox system. We sent our child to a Talmud Torah, which is a school which is more based in Torah learning. Uh, it definitely still has secular subjects, which is how I would allow myself to choose such a school. Um, the school itself is being taught by Haredi teachers, but all the student, none of the students are Haredi. Right. All the students are from but this the, area. But the calendar is is the right, Haredi, the Haredi like learning schedule. Right, which is yeah. cool, which is interesting, and and they they have much more learning. Anyway, we'll see how that goes. You know, that's why I think Jewish families have like eight kids. So that they can experiment on the first three, four, five, yeah, and by, by six, seven, end, eight, yeah. you're like you're, you're like already pretty got good. It. You're pretty good, uh, Malka. I last night I woke up in the middle of the night and uh, I did what any normal person does at three thirty in the morning is that I tweeted that a lot of different normal. stuff. Yeah, and first thing is that there's this guy named Salami, okay, and he's spicy, and and he's the commander of Isra- uh, Iran's. Islamic Revolutionary Guard, he proclaimed, it is vital to continue the jihad. The struggle is spreading within the occupied territories. Hundreds of thousands of missiles are deployed against Israel, and they can attack. So I tweeted that that the salami should be cut and served and aged no longer, okay? (laughs) We have have a battle with Iran. It's, it's, It's warming up. And out there in the streets, there's all kinds of stuff. Just the last few days, I saw a car... With a that was, that the army had stopped, it was a beamer, a white shiny two door beamer, fast little beamer. So like an apartheid mobile, like a oppression car. Right, and this beamer had in it actually a big um, I'm not decal. Post, decal, right, at, at, on the back, which was of the uh, country of Jordan, and it had two M16s and two M16s. Yeah, and and a flag of Jordan, and it said in Arabic, Jordan first, Jordan first. I, I called up uh, one of my, I have a cadre of Arab, Arabic experts. I have a new one who's very fast and, and answers things very well. Uh, he's a Christian Arab uh, that works for Imtir Tzu. Very good oh, guy. Oh, cool. Yeah, good guy. Serious guy. Came from the Likud also. And uh, he answered me within a second. He's like, this says, uh, I said to him, what is this? He said to me, it says, uh, Jordan first. It's, it's the king of Jordan is trying to push into uh, Judea and Samaria to the so-called West Bank. Get oh, yeah. out. Yeah. And that's that's what's going on over little, there. Little little micro invasion. He's trying to take. Is a chutzpah. Yeah, he's trying to take control there. And that was one thing. And then I saw uh, I was talking with uh, some young Arab boys in Hebron, and uh, at some point, one of them started showing me his the back of his phone between the phone and the phone cover, like where you could put stuff, uh, was cutouts of all these terrorists, and he basically told me that Fatah stinks. Hamas, eh, and the real good folks are the Islamic Jihad. Let's let's just note that. And there was murderers. There was Jew killers. 
on the back of this yeah. kid's phone. And they were dead because the Israel had killed them. And I told him, well, there you go. And then he and then he said to me, he said to me, the idea, and, and you know, he was speaking only Arabic and I was like, whatever I understood and a little bit of Hebrew. This, that. He's like, he's like, the idea if it kills kids. I'm like, if, if they're jihadists and they're, they're trying to kill our soldiers, that's what happens. And I was like giving it right back to him. And, and anyway, there was this, and he was like, I thought gave it, I thought gave it. Like, you, you're, you're okay. A, you're a real man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 but then you could just see that he is really being trained to be a Shaheed. Really? You saw it. He, this guy, this kid, well, let's, let's I'm talking about a 12 way. year old here. I did not send my kids to school. And, and I think you guys know me pretty well by now and know that I'm a strong Zionist. I have strong opinions. I have a real, uh, try to have good Torah values, etc. I did not send my kids to school with pictures of like tons of rabbis and great Zionist leaders on their binders, for example. Like the the fact that this kid would spend his precious cell phone real estate on terrorists shows you that these are the ultimate heroes. Like many of you went out and bought backpacks and stuff for your kids and like all kinds of gear for your kids to get to school I, I just, this year. I just want to make sure that and we, you had nobody sports the, players. But let's not, you, 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 you may, people may have misunderstood like, Putting pictures of rabbis is not like putting pictures of, of terrorist murderers. No. Okay. It's like. But I am saying, I am suggesting, no, it is not the same. But it is the same in the sense that we're talking about who's your hero. Right. Who are you looking up to? Now, a rabbi and a terrorist, those are exactly the kind of things I'm trying to compare. Right. And these are like, like, and even in, like, do you have a picture, Ishai? Do you, can you identify pictures of great Israeli soldiers in modern Israeli history? Sure. Can you, can you line up a picture that is not modern? I'm talking about like in the last five years. Can you bring me five pictures of super, like, like terror smashing soldiers? Can you bring me five portraits? You can't. Maybe a Laura Zaria. That is one, and right. that's a very controversial one. Right. But the, you can't. The point is that you cannot do that. They take every face of every schmo who like takes a knife to some random person at the grocery store, and they make them into like a great hero. Yeah. But our actual heroes, we like minimize. Right. And we take on heroes like Lionel Messi. And I don't know, Michael, I'm dating myself, Michael Jordan. I don't know who's in sports today. Okay. Whoever is big, but it's like we, they have these heroes who are utterly not heroes. Our heroes, we don't have, Well, they are but heroes our, and you... our heroes, even the heroes we do have are so radically different than their heroes. Let's just make it, let's make, let's, let's simplify here. They are glorifying the terror against Israel and the killing of Jews. That, that's what they're doing. Let's not like parse it out. That's what it is. They, right. They're glorifying these people. They, but okay. You know what though? On the other hand, like let's kind of call spade a spade. It's like their, their mission is to destroy Israel and to get rid of the Jews. So right, but even on the child level. Do you know what I'm saying? I guess because yeah. we just sent our kids back to school, I really have this like back to school head on right and, now. What, and our children, we don't teach them to love Israel and to build Israel. Of course we do. That's, yes. the, are, our children are a reflection of our mission. Our mission is to build Israel. Our mission is to build Judaism. Their mission is to destroy Israel and to destroy Judaism. Let's just let's right. just call it what it is. Uh, but to see it, that's that's the moment. We all know it. 
we all read it. We all we all see it in the articles. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the the, the kids are being brainwashed. But when you but you actually it, met that kid and you, he came up to you, which is also interesting. Like why did he try to have whatever? A it's a long story about how you know because because the Middle East is a funky place and many people ways, are curious about each other. Yeah, and we when we were chatting down there and they were like you know and I was with some folks and they were not Jews and, the, and my my friends. Uh, from Hayovel, and we're, 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 we're checking. I was touring them around, and they're Christian folks, and they're like, "Who are you guys? Like, who are you? Are you are you a Mustad? Are you a Yehud? Are you a Mustautan?" I'm like, "Yes, I, I'm. Are you a Jew? Are you a settler?" I'm like, "Yes, that's me." Like, but you're still okay because the other ones are bad, and this and that. And who are these people? You know, are they allies? Are they with you? Are they get? Are they're they curious. Europeans? What are they? Yeah. And everybody tries to kind of yeah tries to figure out who's who and, and what's what. But the bottom line is that the real the real bottom line is these kids are being taught a sick hate, and they will be they they are on the road to murder, they are on the road to terrorism. Which means they're on the way to being killed. Themselves. Right. That's a, that's a, that's something that the that's left that, never that's understand. Not, yeah, that's like the other thing that nobody wants to talk about. I told when you I, create oh. these children in this way. You are sentencing sentencing them to death At or the, life in prison. The truth is, is that there yeah. was four kids there, and one kid had a mohawk. I'm talking about 12, 13-year-olds. And the Mohawk kid was like, I like Tel Aviv. Yeah. And, and, he, and you could see, and the other kids were like, oh, the other kids called him a Jesus. What is that? Like somebody who works with Israel, like a... Uh, Informer? Yeah. They're oh, like, that's oh, like, they're, they're like mean word for him. Yeah. Like they're, how yeah. they rib him. Yeah, he's like, he's like I think Tel Aviv. Jesus? Jesus, yeah. So it was just like, it was just, it was just like, it was microcosm and it was just like... Oh, interesting. And, I mean, another thing that I didn't tweet about is that they kept throwing plastics into the well that I was cleaning. I was literally cleaning right, an ancient a, well. An ancient well. And they and were literally their, like plastic cups. Like Philistines, they were stuffing up the wells. Wow. Yeah. They were, I, I saw it with my own eyes. I'm like, you know, you know how everybody's like, look, I'm sitting under a, um, a, uh, a, 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 what do you call it? A, um, a date, not a date, the other one, the fig tree. Look, I'm sitting under the fig tree here in Judea. I'm fulfilling biblical prophecy. Yeah, these kids were throwing plastics like Philistines into the ancient wells and stuffing them up. They were also fulfilling biblical prophecy. It was just like, my God. And, and I said to them, I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you, why I'm cleaning this. Why would you make it dirty? It's for all of us. This the, and they, and they, they picked, a kid took a plastic thing from me and threw it into the well. Just threw it right into the, I'm just like, what is with what you? What is your problem, bro? Yeah, what is with you? Like, why? Like, and and like and like, where's that whole like Arab nobility about you know the the waters of the, the land Medina. is so precious. Yeah, and the, the water. The water and this. They just crud it up, they, they like, crud it up everywhere. Everywhere like they go, garbage, it. garbage, garbage everywhere. I mean, I mean, really, Arab society has a has, and this is, and nobody's going to disagree with this. No Arab would disagree with this. They have a serious garbage problem. All right, last topic, Mark. I know you got to go, and God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us. Last topic I wanted to broach with you very quickly was that I saw. That in Muncie, New York, in like a fancy part of Muncie, New York, they have rebuilt uh, the uh, Baal Shem Tov synagogue. Oh, like a like a recreation, a replica with some with some bricks from actual Medjibush and other places. Oh, and this this was actually a synagogue, not the one that you were in. This was one that was that was destroyed by the Nazis, and people were killed around there. And and the articles like you're like this like articles like they remembered this place they took bricks from other places that Jews had uh, had okay. t- uh, towns in, in in Poland and were destroyed and, and in Ukraine, and not only that this shul houses a lot of families that need help when they need uh, medical assistance in New York. Wow, that's nice. And so this community like hosts them. They have Ukrainians right now. The whole thing is like so beautiful. Right. Everything's nice. And at the same time, I wanted to be like. 
like I'm like wow 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 and then right, at the same so time I want to be like Bemet like really right. why there like, why like why like uh, like 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 you know we're not are we not building Jerusalem are we rebuilding Ukraine in Muncie and and again there was I'm I'm torn because there's a part of me that's like there's a lot of beauty in it and I, maybe Ukraine is the right thing to build in Muncie. I, I don't like know. I remember, for example, when in Germany, I'll never forget. It was something like t- more than ten years ago, yeah, probably. That's right. When they re- when they made like a fake hotel or something in Berlin. Yeah, and I, that really upset me because right. to try to make Jerusalem outside of Jerusalem upsets me. But if you want to make Mezhebush and not Mezhebush, I don't know. Maybe that's. But the fact that they try to do so much good with it, you really have to. Uh, really have to commend them right absolutely and they're a strong jewish community and i do commend them i do and i and i get it and i and i and and it's a beautiful shul and at the same time it's like guys guys we got to snap out of it we are not living in that time anymore we're living a time that we are all looking to Islam and our national goal as a peoplehood as a people not as israelis as a peoplehood is to build up the Jewish state, the Jewish land, and Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim. What can I tell you, Yishai? What do you, what we do you think have the, a very long show about this. Want? What do you think the Baal Shem Tov would have wanted? He would have wanted to rebuild his shul in Muncie, or like, should we should we together, you know, rebuild Yerushalayim? He to, would want to rebuild Yerushalayim, but and also the people in Yerushalayim have to be rebuilding Yerushalayim. If, if the people in Yerushalayim will be rebuilding Yerushalayim, then no one's going to want to build a Mezhebush yeah. in Muncie. I think we have to talk about national goals. That's basically it. I think we have to talk about national goals of the Jewish people, and that's the article that i wrote about the ben shapiro all the yacht question it's about it's about really making it clear that we have a national goal together maka i know you got to get to to work this morning i want to thank you very much the show goes on rav mike foyer is next we'll be analyzing some of the torah portion of uh shof team uh in the book of deuteronomy Devarim. go ahead please i want to dedicate this segment of the show to the full and speedy recovery of my father yankov nussin ben from it that's some, and Yitzchak yeah. Yehuda. Yes, now you know more about me. Yeah. Uh, my father had a, an, a medical incident this week, and we're very blessed and grateful that he's basically okay, but he still has to uh, get his full recovery. Yemiyat Hashem, so dedicated to my dad. That's right. Briut. And a lot of people out there need healing, so we are sending you blessings from the land of blessings uh, and healing from uh, the, the land of, of, of God's uh, grace and healing. Um, Amen. So lots of love, folks. Uh, the show is dedicated uh, to your father, Alexander, uh, Dr. Dr. Alex, and uh, many other people out there. And it's also helped by your support if you go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai uh, and also our website, yishaifleischer.com. And write me an email, yishaifleischer.com. And also our sponsors of the show. I'm going to do it fast now because Malka's got to go. Uh, but, but I do it at the, with, with Mike Foyer. I do it a little bit clearer which is uh, hebronfund.org. That's the folks that keep Hebron uh, strong. That's the forefathers and mothers, and that keeps our whole nation strong when, when the Torah, uh, when, when the uh, Jewish people surround their parents and the place is strong. That's hebronfund.org. Our good friends at Ret- Retro Watch Guy, okay, getting cool watches, great pictures on Instagram, Retro Watch Guy on Instagram, and check out retrowatchguy.com. Uh, great awesome watches for your awesome experience including Shabbat maybe a new watch would be so nice for you your husband or your son or whoever uh, what else Our you know it's Elul time you want to get to shul on time you you're like maybe you need time. a beautiful new watch little that's incentive right. that's right very good to know what time it is Ooh, for Minion New Year New Year resolution what time is Slichos yeah my New Year watch I like that that's there good go. uh, and also our good friends at Prohibition Pickle they have come out with their Rosh Hashanah menu it's looking good yeah 
Yes, I saw some good stuff and, and you can order ahead and they have all kinds of gorgeous platters and catering and just make it so easy. They deliver really wide and far also yeah. and the website is super user friendly. So yeah. I suggest that people go check Prohibitionpickle.co.il it out. Right. And maybe if we can ask them, they can get us some Iranian salami. <laughs> that would be great. That's the IDF's job, not Prohibition Pickle's job. I think that you should have. I I know I know my man Chaim. He would make <laughs> some Iranian salami, and uh, and that's what we should have with this Rosh Hashanah, little Iranian salami. Anyway, uh, chopped up nice and thin. Um, then who else, Malka? Who else we got out there? Uh, there's so many good folks. Uh, good friends. Good friends at JewishPress.com, uh, putting out a great email every single day called the Jewish Express. Check them out. Great Israeli news and of Israel course Israel Bible. The Israel Bible. That's right. TheIsraelBible.com. Part of the Israel 365 family. Awesome stuff. Uh, I am a fan. I give it out as presents. I gave it to VP uh, Mike Pence. It was awesome. So check that out. The Israel Bible. And if you put in coupon code Yishai. 10% off the word of the Lord. It's the, like one commandment for free. You missed bang. Bang. Sorry. Right, yeah. No problem. Next time I'll get it right. Bang. All right, Maka. God bless you. Get out there. Have a great day. Uh, the show continues with Rough Mike Foyer. Stay tuned. Stay strong. Stay connected. We'll be right back with more. Don't worry. The Ishai Flasher show will be right back. So stay tuned. Hey, folks. Before we go on to the next section, our uh, beloved Ben Bresky has created a little report about 125 years since the first Zionist Congress in Basel, Switzerland, uh, headed up by the one and only, the great uh, Theodor Herzl. I am a much bigger fan of Theodor Herzl than some of uh, folks around today. There's a lot of revisionist history. I myself think that he was an amazing Jew, an incredible Jew, a lover of the Jewish people, a lover of Judaism, and I don't have the time right now to get too much into it, but if you want, I could do it on the next show. Uh, but I think he was a Jewish hero, a quasi-prophet, I don't know, but certainly a person sent into this world to do incredible work. He died by overstressing himself for the Jewish people. Uh, and the people at the time knew that they were dealing with a great one. And the religious Jews knew that they were dealing with somebody great who was making um, the reality that had already been started before him. I, no, I, with all of my appreciation, deep conviction of, of who Herzl was, at the same time, to say that he was the father of Zionism is a, is a big mistake, like a giant mistake. That actually is the root of some of the misunderstanding about him. He put together already a movement that was, was, was happening, was nascent, and there was already a religious aliyah that really started, I think, in the mid-1500s by the Arizal and later on by the uh, Hasidic movements and by the Gra and by the uh, Sephardi movement of the Orachim HaKadosh, and I could go on and on, but the bottom line is that, uh, that, that he crystallized it and turned it into a fighting political reality. And so Ben Bresky has created an audio talking about the first Zionist Congress, and I'm looking forward to hearing it uh, here on the Ishai Fleischer Show. So here we go. This is a moment in Jewish history. My name is Benjamin Bresky. This week in Basel, Switzerland, thousands from around the world attended the 125th anniversary of the First Zionist Congress. It was here in August of 1897 that Dr. Theodor Herzl established the Zionist organization, which led to the creation of the State of Israel a little more than 50 years later. This week, Jewish leaders from Israel and around the world stood in the same venue on the same day. But today, Israel is much more than the underpopulated third-world locale it once was. 
Herzl wrote in his diary, Were I to sum up the Basel Congress in a word, which I shall guard against pronouncing publicly, it would be this, At Basel I founded the Jewish state. If I said this out loud today, I would be greeted by universal laughter. In five years, perhaps, and certainly in fifty years, everyone will perceive it. There were many newspaper articles at the time that indeed mocked the idea, such as the Times from Great Britain, which doubted whether membership of such a state could be possibly formed now in the Holy Land in any sense of the realization of the prophets. The New York Times wrote on August 30, 1897, At today's session of the Zionist Congress, the delegates present unanimously adopted with great enthusiasm the program for re-establishing the Hebrews in Palestine with publicly recognized rights. Mark Twain, the famous American author of Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer, wrote the following. Speaking of concentration, Dr. Herzl has a clear insight into the value of that. Have you heard of his plan? He wishes to gather the Jews of the world together in Palestine with a government of their own. Today's chairman of the World Zionist Organization is Yaakov Hagoel. He compared the first Zionist Congress to a startup of which Israel is known to be a leader of in the high-tech world. He compared Theodore Herzl to an entrepreneur who sought out early adopters and investors. Among the delegates were Rabbi Dr. Shepsel Schaefer of Congregation She'arith Israel in Baltimore, Maryland, and Rosa Sonnenschein, the publisher of American Jewess, a magazine based in Chicago with a circulation of 31,000. The Hebrew Observer of October 15, 1897, wrote, Rev. Dr. Schaefer arrived home on Sunday from his trip to Basel, Switzerland, where he attended the Zionist Congress as a delegate. In an interview, he expressed himself as follows, The First International Congress of the Lovers of Zion has been held and is now a fact. I must say that the hours I spent amidst so many intelligent, noble-minded, and warm-feeling representatives of the nation count to the most precious and sweetest I experienced in my life. I deeply felt with the psalmist how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell closely together in union and harmony. May those who stand for assimilation argue in any way they want. They will never overcome that fact which is now marked with flaming letters in the annals of our history. Rosa Sonnenschein, in her American Jewish newspaper from September 1898, wrote, Whatever the aspect of the Second Congress in Basel may be, it will be hardly equal to the first one in importance and enthusiasm. Last year, each and every visitor to Basel came there prompted by individual impulse to aid an inspired leader, imbued with the idea that the restoration of Zion was a possibility of our time. Numerically speaking, last year's Congress consisted of but a small band of representative Jews from all parts of the globe, but they were the ones who made it possible for Zionism to attain a wonderful growth in so small a period as 12 months. 
The confidence in a Jewish state, as outlined by Dr. Herzl, took possession of men and women who belonged not only to the Orthodox, but also the Reform wing of Judaism. Impressed by the sincerity and greatness of the First Congress, Judaism now sends its delegates to participate in the Second. The question of women's rights to vote and to participate in the debates cannot be preconcertedly shelved this time, as the Zionists of New York have delegated a woman, Mrs. R. Rothheil, to represent that city. Yaakov Hagoel, current chairman of the World Zionist Organization, has often noted that the Zionist Congress had voting rights for women before the United States and many other countries. Edmund Flegg, the French writer, attended the Third Zionist Congress. He wrote in Why I Am a Jew the following, It was then that, for the first time, I heard of Zionism. You cannot imagine what a light that was, my child. Remember that, at the period of which I am writing, this word Zionism had never been spoken in my presence. The anti-Semites accused the Jews of forming a nation within the nations, but the Jews, or at any rate those whom I came across, denied it. And now there were Jews declaring, We are a people like other peoples. We have a country just like the others have. Give us back our country. Since 1873, colonies had been founded there and were developing, and now a new apostle, Theodor Herzl, was calling upon the Jews of the whole world to found the Jewish state. Was this the solution for which I was looking? The Third Zionist Congress was about to open at Basel. I decided to attend it. My knowledge of German enabled me to follow the debates pretty closely. I listened to it all, but with even greater interest, I looked about me. What Jewish contrasts? A pale-faced Pole with high cheekbones. A German in spectacles. A Russian looking like an angel. A bearded Persian. A clean-shaven American. An Egyptian in a fez. And over there, that black phantom towering up in his immense kaftan, with his fur cap and pale curls falling from his temples. And in the presence of all these strange faces, the inevitable happened. I felt myself a Jew. This has been Benjamin Braski for A Moment in Jewish History. To contact me, you may email bbraski at gmail.com. Thank you and shalom. All right, Ben, thank you very much. That was Ben Braski with uh, 125 years since the first Zionist Congress in Basel, Switzerland, uh, and we are celebrating that today. And now for uh, our discussion of the Torah portion. See, it all goes smoothly together. It's all one organic thing. Jewish history, the Torah, the state of Israel, the land of Israel. It's Yes, there's a lot of little things that kind of, little edges that stick out, but at the end, it's really part of one great revival and rebirth, and we have to synthesize that. There was something called synthetic Zionism, but they didn't mean a synthetic like fake. They mean synthesized Today we would call it synthesized Zionism. I would call it organic Zionism. I would call it, it all comes together. Jewish history, the Torah, Hashem's vision, the diaspora, the rebirth. It's all part of this, this amazing continuum. And, and our job is to actually synthesize and, and organicize all these things, get, bring them together to what they really are, which is one organic whole. So here's uh, my discussion with Rav Mike Foyer, which was live uh, on my Facebook about the Torah portion of Shoftim. 
Shalom, and welcome everybody to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting very live on Facebook, Twitter, and some, something else, what's the third one, on YouTube, and I think uh, once I play around some buttons next time on LinkedIn as well, uh, but we are live, live, live with Rav Mike Foy, Rav Mike, Shalom and welcome. Shalom Ishai, it's great to see you. Yeah, it's it's great to see and to be seen, that's a Jewish concept, Lirot ulihiraot. To see and to be seen. So it's good to see and it's good to be seen as well. I love that concept. It's like that's like a that's like a that's like a that's like a great you know Jewish party concept. It's like I'm here to 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 see and to take in. I'm also here to show and take me in. And it's also to see God and to be looked at to see God and to be looked at by God as well. He's checking you out as well. Yeah, I think it's important if people aren't familiar with the the uh, origin of that quote to know that it has to do with being on the Temple Mount. Right. There's a specific mitzvah on the three festival holidays to go and and not just to see, but to be seen. And I think it speaks to the power of collective spiritual experience. Right. It's actually something something which we really lack in our day. You get little bits and pieces. I know you're a big fan of Meron and and the Temple Mount. I think that there's just something very powerful about the idea that um, we share a consciousness when we come together around God. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's, there's, it's a, it's an awesome, awesome feeling when you're at a big gathering. And I, I hear people a lot of times tell me they're like, "Oh, I try to stay away from big events." I'm like, "That's a little bit part of Judaism. It's a little bit part of Judaism to go to the big events." And I get it. Like, there's a, there's a, I don't know how you said in English. Like, there's a retia, retia. How do we say that? A hesitation uh, or a, hesitation, you know, right? The, I, you know, I, I mean, listen, I'm not a crowd person, but right? I do look forward but, to being together with. Israel. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's you know, you know what else? There's this phrase by old Rabbi Hillel. And he's like, he shows up to the Simchas Beit HaShoeva, to the kind of uh, final celebrate big party on the end of Sukkot. And he's like, uh, not the, the, in the Sukkot uh, days, evenings. And he goes, if I'm here, Imanikan as a Kolkan. If I'm here, then everything is here. I am where it's at, said Hillel. I'm, is that what he's saying? I'm always no. wondering. I, I think you know, on, on the simple level, he's saying like, for me to to be conscious of this, I have to be here. So if I'm here, then 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 it's all here uh, for me. On the one hand, on the other hand, he's saying like, I don't know. This there's a tension in Judaism between uh, afar the efer, like Abraham said, being uh, dust and ash, Ashes. right? And then on the other hand. Um, the world was created for me, right? Um, no, absolutely. And I think that you know, when I think about it, it's that name of God, Ribono Olamim, right? The the Lord of the worlds. So that plural of worlds has always been. Rev Mike, I lost you there. Now, now are we back? Oh, sorry. The, that plural of the worlds has always been somewhat strange to me, even though you know the second. Rev uh, Mike Foyer. Yeah, I hear you just fine. I lost you, you there for me? a second. Are you there? I'm here. Oh I hear you. You are. You are. St- my my connection was. Uh, was hurt for a second. Here comes Rev Mike. Hey, you're back. Sorry about that. I'm, I'm back. I never lost you. I don't know what was just going on. I there. lost you for a second there. So, so I, I was asking you about about that tension between uh, between the the humility and the wow, here I am type of thing. The world. Yeah, is I was just saying. There's me. a there's a name of God, Ribbon Alamim, right? The Lord of the mm. Worlds, right? Mm. Which uh, that plural of the worlds is a little bit strange. Although I do think that the second Doctor Strange movie addressed it if you got to see it but in in essence is what you said is that i'm a whole world right that's the power of of human existence is that our consciousness 
adds a whole new creation because everything we experience is just essentially a new perspective on God's world. So, yeah, if I'm here, it's all here in terms of my world. I want to tell you that my world is coming back to um, to full uh, throttle, given that the last two months have been the summer months and my kids have been off of school. I've been very concerned that they would have a great summer. So in many ways, uh, summer's been very full of entertaining them and giving them a great summer. And that's been fine, great, awesome, incredible, and many, many great moments. But tonight, we went to the most Israeli of places, Japan, Japan. And there we <laughs> ate uh, the holy sushi. And, and we, we celebrated, we toasted the end of summer, the beginning of the new school year, I got a girl going to high school. I got a boy going to uh, Talmud Torah. And I've got my son, my other son, uh, uh, going to school here in beautiful Gushetzion. And, and um, wow, like, like life is starting up again. Speaking of like, like uh, you know, the world was created for me. Like I feel, I feel a certain sense of, a, you know, of an accomplishment of summertime and, and giving kids a great summer. And then like, okay, here comes the year and here comes that blessed uh, blessed word of them, one of the most blessed words of them all, holy routine. Some holy Shigra. routine. I'm excited about that. Shigra. Oh, gosh. I bless you, holy routine. Let it be, Shigra. Let it be soon. Word. Let it be now. Amen. Amen. And that also means that uh, part of our Shigra is also broadcasting with you. And people are saying hi. For example, Wayne says, hey, you. And our man, our producer with volumes uh, and uh, the show. Shalom, Yishai and Rav Mike. Lou Weiss. Hello. Shalom to you, Lou. God bless you. Stephen says, big open arms, shalom to both. Uh, and, um, and he's giving us an update that my daughter is done with active, uh, with training and active IDF. God bless the lone soldiers. I don't I understand. Mean, she's done with training. I think she's done with training and she's in. now in an active. I think that's what I thought. That's right. how I read that. Yeah. The comma. Now, it's very important, the comma. That's right. Now, my friend Erica, who I missed, was on a trip here in Israel. And I missed, and I blame myself. I a little blame her for not letting me know. And she also caught uh, some kind of Israeli flu. So we missed her. So she says, Shalom, Rabbi from Sweden. Nice to see you again. Sorry, couldn't meet in Eretz Israel. Erica, okay, I give you a pass. But next time, I ask you to make it just a little bit tighter because we want to meet you. We want to hang out with you. Bring us some of that Swedish stuff. If you need to feel at home, I'll take you to Ikea. And we could, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, have all that, you know, it's... It's sweet, Sweden in a box, literally. <laughs> and and anyway, but it is great to see you here uh, live with us. Uh, and we want to bless you. She needs a little refuash lema for this some kind of Israeli flu that she caught. Amazing, maybe, amazing. The, maybe the dreaded, um, uh, what's it called? Oh, oh, yeah, COVID. That's right. Uh, and also Scott Riley says, shalom all. And he's from Columbia, Missouri, Missouri. So I'm folks sure. are really uh, showing up from all over the world, and it's good to see everybody, and there's lots of blessings. All right, let's get to a little bit of Torah portion. We have, uh, we have a limited, we have a time uh, clock that we're fighting against here. Always. Let's get to a few things. That's right, always. That's right. Wow. Oh, and Penny. That's right, and Penny. Penny says, Penny Schenker says, uh, Schenker. Schenker says, Shalom, nice to see you both. And Shalom to you, madame. Um, we have a Torah portion called Shoftim. We're in the book of Deuteronomy, Dvarim. We are um, listening to Moses give a speech, and he's shifted gears from a general historical and 
Um, Musser. How we, how do we translate Musser? Uh, ethical instruction. Ethical instruction. We shifted gears from that to a legalistic um, movement of 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 chapters. Uh, in that, still ethical instruction oh, within yeah. that, but but certainly in this case, we're dealing with some very you know ethical, uh, some very legal points, um, and um, one of one of the hot, most hotly debated, and even in modernity, especially hotly debated topics in the store portion, is the question of the king. Always the question of the king. The question of the king, the monarchy, the system of governance that God prescribes or proscribes. Which one is it? Uh, and so, you like that? And so, like and so, now I heard Rabbi Eric Levy, and he said, you guys are going to want a king. And I want a king also, but I want it in this way. And therefore, I'm warning you not to do it that way. I want it this way. Yes, I do want it. God says, I do want a king, but I want it in my way. And not in the way like everybody else's way. I want it in my special, let's call it Jewish way, in the, in the godly way. That's how I want it to look like. So I'm warning you on the one hand not to you know, have a king like, like everybody else and think you're going to do it like this thing you're going to do like everybody else. Just like everything else in Judaism, you're going to do it a special way. You're going to do it my way, and that's what I want from you. But I do want you to have a Jewish king. What do you think about that? So, I mean, the commandment or suggestion or observation, although the majority of the commentators see it as a commandment to appoint a king, it's important to know that it comes embedded in an entire section on all the models of leadership that the Torah offers. The sages, the judges, the shotrim, which you know we usually um, translate as police in modern Hebrew, but they're really sort of the court officers. Um, we just had a whole long analysis of the role that the prophets played in the previous parsha, I mean, it's it's super important to me to note that the king comes in a context of multiple models of leadership, right? And and second of all, is is um, responsive to what's really the the primary issue of sovereignty. You still there? Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, okay, you're, you're just frozen. I'm feeling a little bit lonely. Forget the it, primary yeah, issue of sovereignty is is territorial integrity. When you come into the land. Which God's given to you, and the Rashi is shocked about, and you inherit it, and you settle in it, and you say, "I'm gonna, I, I want a king just like everybody else." Meaning, it's intrinsically connection connected to sovereignty over the land, right? And and I think this is one of the reasons that the um the model of government that kingship represents is a is a worthy topic of discussion in our day, because as we've seen in our day, um, democracy has many strengths, but but the exercise of power is not really one of them. And while that may be nice when you're in North America and your sort of neighbors to the north are Canada and to the south is Mexico, or you're in the heart of Europe after 1,500 years of bloodletting that you've kind of given up on killing each other, here in the mm -hmm. Middle East, having a model of government which is challenged by the exercise of power in terms of being a sovereign over territory doesn't lend itself, and this is the key, it doesn't lend itself to flourishing Torah, doesn't lend itself to even the modern concepts, by the way, of um, individual rights um, and sort of the, you know, sort of freedom of exercise of various aspects of society that we've come to take for granted. And I know that may sound a little counterintuitive, probably not to you, but maybe to some people listening, but, but, but it, the reality is when it comes to Max Weber, the great sort of foundational sociologist 
analysis that what a nation state is, is the monopoly on the legitimate use of force to maintain order. Right. That, that, that it, democracy is actually not so good at it. Right. Unless it happens to be an ethnic democracy in which there is a widespread and somewhat unspoken consensus on the nature of who is the demos, who is the sort of nation that that democracy is meant to represent. Right. Well, I guess I guess there's a real tension between the will of the people, or let's put it this way, the various people. Uh, there's a tension between various peoples and then, you know, the ruler or, or how God wants you to rule. And uh, it's interesting that you're bringing this topic up. I don't think that, you know, you could, I, I think it's a very interesting thing you're bringing up, and I think it's very, very timely. Uh, Maybe because you and I are working on other things, these are really the issues that I'm I'm struggling with. Really, like when I say struggling with, like I'm like really struggling. I'm thinking about it all the time. I see the lack of exercise of Jewish power in the land of Israel. Uh, I know that some people outside the land of Israel are like, "What are you talking about? Israel is so strong," but I see you know so many things that that show kind of weakness uh, of sovereignty. And um, I saw I saw I saw something like. A book titled like Submission or Sovereignty, or I would say Subdue or Be Subdued. That's the the unwritten law of the Middle East. Subdue or be subdued. Rule or be uh, ruled. Right. Rule or be ruled. Right. That's right. Rule or be ruled. Um, and I, I guess what you're really saying, and, and King David was was I, I one of one of the great one of, one of one of the great moments of Jewish monarchy is the tension between David and Saul, King David and King Saul, where King David is like doing God's will, but King Saul bent to the people, didn't do the direct commandment that God asked him to do and, and messed up his, his kingdom uh, for, for perpetuity. So, so that like, there's this tension between the will of the people. That's exactly what Saul says. He's like, I was doing what the people wanted me to do. And you know, it's an interesting and, point you're making because you think about it, what Saul does in our normal sort of um, standard of ethical political behavior it's not such a big deal. I mean, he just gets in a rush to make a sacrifice. Whereas, you know, sort of David's great failure with, with Uriah and Bathsheba. And I mean, you, you, you could chalk that up to murder and, uh, and uh, bigamy if you really wanted to take an extreme stance on it. And yet we see that David, when he confesses, is forgiven. And I think part of the reason is what you're touching on, which is that a king isn't just an individual. They represent sovereignty. And as much as you want your sovereign leaders to also be morally pure and highly ethical, and, and David paid for what he did. It's not like he, he, you know, he got away with it, so to speak. Right. But it, sovereignty wasn't taken away from him because in the end, it's a greater threat when a sovereign doesn't understand the right relationship between themselves and the people than it is that when, when they have their own moral failings. And that's a right. hard thing to absorb because we're like this weirdly moralist democracy these days like we love to eat our eat, eat our leaders alive yeah and, and we love to keep them weak and until of course it comes around and sort of like bites us we'll just leave it at that yeah yeah uh yeah the 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 state the state of israel's uh you know um yeah the, the state of israel ha has moments where it forgets that it's it's a middle eastern country with middle eastern uh, ways to rule uh, th this region. And I'm telling you, Rav Mike, I have spoken to every kind of goy, non-Jew, 
a Gentile, a, a nation around here. Bedouins, Druze, uh, As Assyrians, what they call themselves. Uh, Circassians. Circassians I haven't bumped into. Uh, I've heard about them, but I, I don't actually meet them. But uh, what do they call these guys? These guys, um, what are they called? Uh, Samaritans? No, they call themselves, Assyrians? you know. Uh, ash, ash, ash. Yeah, I think they call themselves Assyrians. Right, these these what we used to call Christian Arabs. They're like, don't call me Christian Arab anymore. I don't want to be called. Oh yeah, that. it's changed. I mean. Yeah, they want to be called. Uh, they want to be called. Um, okay, uh, Arameans. That's what they want to be called. Arameans. Arameans. Uh, that's the new thing. They want to be called Arameans. I'm like, why is that? Okay. They're like, we speak Arabic, but we are not Arab. We are not Christian Arab. We are. We are not related to Palestinianism. We're not related to this whole thing. They don't like us. We don't like them. We are we are much more Israeli, but anyway, we have a different past, a different thing, and we are Arameans from Aram, like Aram, you know, like that that like, great kingdom. Like my my father was a wandering Aramean. That's right. They're like we're Arameans, and so um uh and and anyway, I'm speaking to all these people, and they all say to me the same thing. Oh, and Arabs, uh, Muslim Arabs, Palestinian Muslim Arabs who want a different thing than what the popular paradigm is, and they're all like to me, they're all like. You guys have to be strong. You, that's what every, they all say the same thing. And it's like code, like be strong. They keep on saying to me, you have to be strong. And what they mean is like, you got you to gotta punch out the bad guys. That's the way it is around here. You can't let them, you know, uh, talk smack about you in their mosques. You can't be doing that. I got news uh, you, It's the way it is all over the world. Right it's, right. it's just that in certain areas of the world that we like to measure ourselves by. North America, Western Europe. In the last 1,500 years, they shed rivers of blood to destroy their enemies. <laughs> you know, and, and now it's like, oh, ooh, no, no. I, yeah. I, you know, you know, I, I hate to to um, pick out any religious figure, but I'll never forget. I don't remember which pope it was, so I suppose it's not a problem. One of the more recent popes actually said that anyone who uses violence in the name of religion is desecrating the name of God. Mm. Which, which I think is a beautiful sentiment. It was just a little hard to swallow from the head of the Catholic Church, <laughs> without any recognition of like you know like <laughs> right. a shadow right. of God knew. <laughs> right, right, right. With any without any self uh, reference about their past about that. Uh, okay. Uh, first thing is let's say let's say had a few more people. Lou says something witty. He's saying. Frozen is a good thing in a heat wave. Mommish. That's right. Oh, gosh. Now, we are, we are having a heat wave. Uh, I would call it even a kind of oppressive heat wave here in Israel. It's been a bit oppressive. It's been a bit you know, oppressive. I don't, I don't think we talk about oppression here, do we? No. That's right. No, but it's, it really has been a tad oppressive. Uh, and just being outside has just been like, like, you're just like, I don't know what it is. There's something about the quality of the air and the heat right now. And, and the humidity and the whole thing. Humidity, yeah. Uh, which the humidity though is a blessing, because you know I spoke to a firefighter in a pool. Yeah. Me and this, me and a firefighter were in a pool, and he was talking to me, and he was telling me, uh, you know, when things are dry, windy, and hot, that's danger, when terrorists, danger. right? That, that that's when actually terrorists light fires and use it as a terrorism as a weapon for sure. We've weapon. seen this before. We've seen. He's it. like, it's hot right now, but it is humid, and, and yet, it is not windy. Torch our country. That's right. All right. And it's not that's windy. Right. No, no it's not moving out there. That's right. Uh, Scott Riley says, I'm a big fan of the two of you. I love having you in my ears talking Torah when I go on my trail run through the woods when I'm when I'm climbing. Yeshai, I sent you an email sometime back 
You should look for it and reply as time allows. Scott, please resend that email. Much appreciated. Uh, emails. I can tell you, Scott, it's, it's, it's not you. We work together professionally, and he still doesn't answer me. I, I've been answering you so nicely recently. You've been good. You've been good. I'm just trying to make him feel better. That's right. Mark, our good friend from England, who I think is right now on some kind of vacation. Uh, he's in. Uh, so. Him and Allison are in Croatia. Croatia. Good for you. How's fantastically beautiful. Yeah. Give us a thumbs up, thumbs down on Croatia. And he says, uh, providentially, I would say the actions of Saul handed things to the tribe of Judah. I mean, you're entirely correct, Mark. I mean, it's it, and providentially is the right word. It, it, it goes to actually to the heart of one of the things that I see in the modern state of Israel today is that the the leaders who found who, who create the foundation for a nation are not the same ones who are going to actually lead it into its thriving phase. Mm. Right? I mean, I mean, Shaul, like, like the says this, right? He he unified the idea of kingship, but he wasn't the one to actually build the kingdom. Right. It's one of the challenges I believe that we're facing the modern state of Israel today. I mean, you know, the the um last 70 years have been an incredible I mean, I'm always astounded. It's like you look around, just the wealth, this I mean, like the, the fact that the Israeli national bird is the crane and like you know, it's just constant building. It's unbelievable. But what we're praying for is Beit David is 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 a leadership that will have the vision that will be able to take this incredible physical manifestation of power and put it to the purpose of bringing God's presence back to earth. Well, and that's what humanity is waiting for, in my humble opinion. I would add to that that the founders uh, of Israel had one big strike against them, which is that they weren't religious per se. Uh, and so therefore today, a much more religious time, uh, they are, and people who follow them or, or part of their, you know, part of their train are are at odds with the time we're living in and so there therefore they were missing a big chunk of what it is to be jewish in the land of israel which is our relationship with god but on the other hand i must say i have to say something i have come to a conclusion that israel has lost something that the founders did bring in and that was they made a war with our inner galutiness our inner diasporaness our inner exile thinking of the Jewish people. And they made war on that consciousness. In the absence of that war in the last, however, many years, we have returned big time to Galuti thinking, to 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 exilic thinking. And I'm like, I like I suddenly like realized this. I'm like, the founders were not able to pass that on or we didn't we did not we did not take upon ourselves the fight against exilic thinking, and we have become galuti, uh, really, uh, to the max recently. And I just, I'm just like, wow, we are like, we, like, 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 in simple terms, what was the past called left would today be considered hard right? Okay. Oh, in many respects, sure. Territorially, right. and it's willingness to use force, and it's recognition of, of, a, of a national entity of the Jewish people and the, the righteousness of the connection to the land. No question. I mean, the very simple notion that avodah ivri, that uh, Jewish labor, which today is seen like this like radical racist notion, was right. foundational to the entire you know right. labor Zionist project. But you know what, Isha, it, it's important what you're saying because the new Jew ethos that drove much of Zionism had some pretty ugly sides to it. There's no question. It's a harsh, you know, evolutionary stance. 
you know um and i think that that part of the reason that we have have indeed i agree with you we have indeed retreated from that part of it is because i think there's been a um a softening it's the danger of an easier life meaning this is a generation where and people forget this all the time you know we're celebrating the 125th anniversary of the basil conference right and Herzl's name is is out there and people are speaking about it. You know, if people haven't read The Jewish State, it's important to read. Mm-hmm. Very important. And and when you read it, notice that to Herzl, it was a given that either you get out of Europe or we're all going to be destroyed. Right. And, and that piece is a lot of what drove the founding father's sense of a new Jew. They, they said, chuck it. I don't care what I have to leave behind. It's like, like the past is an anchor around my feet and we're going to die if we don't cut the rope. Mm-hmm. The difference that we face is that our evolution is a much more positively based. We're not under the same level of existential threat. Yes, we have real enemies. Yes, the Iranians right now are, you know, aiming to get the bomb. And it's that I'm not dismissing these things by any means. But we have a base of power from which to operate, which they couldn't even dream of. Well, they dreamed. They couldn't really picture it. Um, the difference is that our evolution has to be mission-oriented. Right, it's it, their notion of the new Jew was to get out of their model of what a Jew was. Our notion of the new Jew is to get to the model of the, what the Jew is meant to be. Well, right? I, I mean, I don't think we're either there or there. I think we're. we're we... Well, what, no, I mean, our by our, I mean you and I. And I'm not, right, not talking right. about our leadership. Like we have a vision, we have a vision of of a mission. We're meant to bring something to the world. It's not about us. It's about God, you know, and and, and it's about all humanity. There's an like evolution of consciousness, which is just begging it's banging on the doors i can feel it and we we have work to do i agree with you but but uh that i think that will need personally the way i understand it is that i would i would say it would take an incorporation of both a godly vision for for a better world and a better israel and to suppress that instinct of being small and i want to write about this because I, i i see that israel wants to be small all the time we have land we want to give it away we have water. We want to give it away. We have resources. We want to. We want to sell them. We we want. We have uh, what do you call it? We have ways and technology. We want to have an exit. Uh, we we have a narrative. Uh, another person comes and tries to encroach on your narrative. You're like, okay, you know, you're like, you're willing to give up your narrative. So it's like it's like you know it's we ha- you have to you have to both be a a pragmatic Middle Easterner who works in in this area and is post galut post exile. And you know, and you and you you understand the rules of engagement, and of course, that that action of making sure that that what's yours is yours, then you can channel down godliness into this world. It's not going to be through a nebi. Nebi is a is a Jewish word, which means like a weak, like a, from from the Yiddish word nebach. <laughs> yeah, what would you call it? Miskeen, but I realize Miskeen. that that's that's right. Not- I don't know if that's an English. I don't think it's an English word either. That's right. Well, let me just say hi to uh, Louis, uh, Luis, who is uh, uh, telling me a few times. She says, Shalom from New Jersey, new, enjoying your enlightening broadcast. So, Luis, God bless you. And uh, and okay. thank you. And we miss beautiful New Jersey. And uh, and it's a great pleasure to I be mean, able to. Speak for yourself. I don't, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, don't, I miss New Jersey. I yeah. <laughs> I miss the good folks in New Jersey. Let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah, you grew up there, so it's a little different. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, yeah. Anyway, so let's go on now to another verse. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I want to talk about uh, th- this. This Torah portion is full of laws, and I found it ironic that it also 
hasn't it? Uh, this section about not succumbing to um, divination and the yearning for divination. And I mean succumbing because there's a natural urge to want to know the future. Absolutely. It's a natural urge to, to want to know the future. I, by the way, I, there's a great phrase in the archaeological community that Noam Arnon, Dr. Noam Arnon taught me, which I just love. I just love it. And it's he says, he says that the archaeological archaeological community says the future is constant. The past is always changing. <laughs> I, love <laughs> I love that. that. So it's so you could use I'm it. I'm gonna remember that. Yeah, in it's terms, like in so, terms of the work that I do in telling the right, Jewish story, I think it's very right. relevant. The future is a constant; like it'll be what it'll be. You know, it's the past that's always changing. It's just like wow, that is such a, you know, that's such a kind of like uh, you know, and there's a, there's a deep truth in it. But in any case, uh, people want to know the future. They want to know where it's going. They why does a human being want to know? Where he's going, where he or she's going, where 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 his luck, so called, would be in the future, maybe it's a it's probably a primal need for control. It's probably like a lizard brain need to know what the weather is so that you can prepare for it for the hunt or whatever it is. Uh, maybe it maybe it's um, maybe it's fear really, but that's related. It's yeah, the same thing. It's there's like, nothing more frightening than uncertainty. Our whole but, why, but why though? But why? Because our whole physiological and psychological makeup is, I have the tools to respond to known situations. Mm -hmm. How do you respond to an unknown situation? Right. right. This goes to the heart of Amuna, which is what the passage that you're sort of moving toward is is speaking at. You know that that even something as seemingly simple as patience is one of the most profound expressions of Amuna, faithfulness to God that right. you can have. Because mm -hmm. you know, you know, like it, it, I, 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 I guess, I guess, patience, but also, for example, a related concept to that is childbearing. It's the scariest thing in the world. You don't know what it's going to be, and it's all about future business. You're trying to raise this thing. I would say child raising. You know, right, right, child rearing. Yeah, child rearing. Right. No, that, but that way, that's why when when God cursed Eve, Chava, it was not just you know the et of tilde bunim. So right, there's there's both the pain of childbirth and then there's the pain of child rearing. And Harvey feel you have to pray. Why? Because in the end of the day, your children are going to do what they're going to do. You have your efforts, you have your 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 inputs, but but you pray to God that they're going to be decent people, they're going to live in a decent world, they're going to make good decisions, and that they're going to fulfill the mission that God put them on the planet to fulfill. Right. Uh, and and by the way, speaking of exilic, sometimes you have Jews that are afraid to come to Israel because it's more frightening here. It's more unknown here. And as we uh, we had a Torah portion last week, which we didn't get a chance to talk about, it says that it's a land of hills and uh, hills and valleys. And one of my explanations is it's a land of ups and downs. It's a land of 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 the it's a roller coaster. You gotta hold on. You gotta have faith. In any case, the dichotomy that I wanted to point to is that we have a Torah portion called Shoftim. It's full of laws and intricacies, and yet one of the central verses in this Torah portion, and a central verse maybe in the book of Deuteronomy. And maybe a central verse in the whole Torah itself is a verse 13 of chapter 18, which is Tamim Tia Ima Shemelokecha. Tamim Tia Mashemelokecha. Be whole, be perfect, be faithful with Hashem your God. As some people say, Tamim Tia, if if you are whole, if you are kind of perfect and simple, then you will be with Hashem your God. You know, th that's the kind of the prerequisite. 
that verse comes at the end of a long litany of efforts to try to say to, to people, to Jews, don't succumb to that need for knowing the future. You're, you're not going to figure it out. Uh, are you making a signal? Are you signaling? No, me? I'm saying like, like people try to figure it out. Like that was giving me the, the visual uh-huh. of what it's like. It's like, no, nah, 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 nah. and, and it's important. You have to do your Ishtadlut. You have to make your efforts. But in the end of the day, there's a place of surrender. Right. You know, it's not a popular language. It's funny. When I say surrender to Jews, oh, that's a very Christian language. You know, right. first of all, I don't care. Like that doesn't really bother me. But, um, but, but um, it's a very profound aspect of relationship to God because tam, tamim also just simply means, it means simple. Mm-hmm. Like stop complicating your life. On some level, know that you exist. If you exist, then God wants you to exist. And God didn't want you to exist to spin your wheels. There's a reason that you exist. Now, it's true. That discovering the reason why you exist is not necessarily the easiest task. Mm-hmm. Although I'll tell you, in my in my counseling practice, so often when you give people the space to just speak out their experience, they know why they exist. Mm. It's just that the world is not oriented to letting them articulate it, and the the pressures of the type of sort of socioeconomic system that we've created often militate against them really touching base and giving the right. energy. You know, for some right. people, I exist because I love my children. For other people, right. I exist because I have a creative impulse. Or I exist, you know, and, and, and the truth is most people really know if you that's give awesome. them the space to speak it out. Mm. That's, a nice, that's a nice thought. Uh, I, I'll add to that that uh, that's a happy thought. That's a really, really, really happy thought, I think. I'll, I find I'll add it to that. very enlivening. Yeah, that is very enlivening. Um, I'll just add one thought to that, which is I am sometimes surprised that the process that that you end up really learning about yourself down the line. You keep learning about yourself and it's like, I chafe at self-centeredness. Still. I like, I like him surprised sometimes that like I was telling my kids something about, about uh, one, one of my children has an issue from time to time with nostalgia. Mm -hmm. And I suffered from pains from nostalgia when I was younger and I was able to consciously work on it and, and mentally defeat the pains associated with nostalgia. And I was like telling my kid about this. And, 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 and I was saying to the kid, I was saying to the child, it's like, I'm not telling you what to do, do whatever you want. I'm just sharing with you how through a my process experience. of right, my experience of, of dealing with this emotion, which I found to be stunting and a needlessly painful and needlessly like me, like, self-serving and yet destructive and here's how i dealt with it and i was just like there's there's the process of self-discovery is very surprising it's very surprising that like you don't get like a manual for for yourself and through through life you also learn about the world but you also learn who you are and it's kind of surprising sometimes you're like i did not know that you're 100 right we don't get a manual but at, at the risk of of sounding like a rabbi learn the parsha Learn the Parsha every week. I mean, my Rebbe, Rav Dan Cohen, always used to say to us that God wrote the Torah in a way that it's meant to teach us about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the reason they have to learn it every year is because you're not going to be the same. You're not going to be the same. In the same way that we, we say the same prayers three times a day. And I've had many students and friends say to me, like, come on, man. I'm going to say the same thing over and over again. It's always the same. And my question is always the same. But are you? 
Because right. if you're the same person this morning, this afternoon, and tonight, much less a year from now, the problem isn't in the prayer. You know, the, the problem is in us. And I said to my daughter, we were talking about, uh, we were talking about um, going back to school. My daughter actually went back to school this morning. I mean, technically, it starts tomorrow, but whatever. And she was very worried. The class, she wasn't happy. She also knows the girls. She's not. And I said to her, listen, the key to happiness in life is, is accepting the fact that you simply don't know. Mm-hmm. Because if you feel you already know, it's the greatest source of unhappiness. Because then you walk into a situation, you're locked in, and you're not available to what might be. I just kept repeating it over and over again. Just remember, feeling that you know is the greatest cause of unhappiness in life. And, and mm. I think you know, I think she got it. And like, and that's what I hear you saying. So we don't get a manual, and on one hand, that's frustrating. On the other hand, thank God, because if God had given us a manual about our life, then who we would be robots? We're just like right. going through the steps. We're you that's know. Right. That's right. But he did give us the tour to reflect on who we are. Mm. Let's just, uh, just a few more folks uh, saying hi. Uh, we got, wait, was Chris said something here that I wanted to Mason. put up. That's right. Chris says, tomorrow will take care of itself. God bless the Jewish nation of Israel. I mean, Pastor like Komba, Pastor, Pastor Komba writes, Pastor Komba loves you guys. Israel blessed forever. Thank you, sir. And Luis says, the past is never dead. In fact, it's not even past. James, yeah, mentioned. that's uh, there's something to be said about that. And then uh, Pastor Compass says yet again, your answer is fine, but the correct answer: Israel's uh, heaven's Israel is heaven's embassy on earth, the safest place on earth. That's what Pastor Compass says. Thank okay, you, sir. I, hear it. I mean, it depends on how you define safe. It's certainly the place where we're meant to be. Yes. I think safety is over. I think safety is an overrated concept. Maybe, to be honest with you, right. As a guy who grew up in the safest, most prosperous nation in the world and left at one of the least stable times in, in recent Israeli time history during the height of the Second Intifada, it's like, okay, I could play it safe. That's right. And I don't blame people who do so. Right. But I, like, I want to play it big. I think Rebbe Akiva. Right. You got to play it big. And, and, but at the same time, we're not like, you know, uh, doing daredevil loop-de-loops on a motorcycle that you're no, not. No, no, what's the point of playing? I, know, I just, like want, that? I I just wanted to big. make the distinction for people yeah, to understand yeah, yeah. to do something godly and to be part of his great mission and his great rebirth and and to be part, you know, of his of his army, of his of his of, of his battle. That's great. Taking unnecessary risks, we're actually against that. That's called Vinishmat yeah. You gotta watch out for your, your your body and your soul. You gotta keep those together as much as you can. Both of those are true. Listen, I'll tell you, I had more stuff to talk about, uh, but you and I had an understanding about time, and we had so an agreement. We had an agreement. We had an understanding, <laughs> and so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep to that. Uh, so, Rav Mike Foyer, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. People should check out uh, your uh, other podcast, which is the Jewish Story at JewishStory.co and That's on the right. Land of Israel Network. So, thank you very and, much. And and, and if so, I may, I want to say that sure. I just started a new round of my live class every Sunday. 1 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Israel. Just started last week. If folks are interested in joining, went back to the book of Daniel, and God willing, we're going to charge forward all the way to the present day. So you can be in touch with me at robmikefoyer at gmail.com. I'm happy to share the details of how you can subscribe. All right, and also robmike.com as well. Also there. There you go. Okay, very good. That's wonderful. So we wish you a good night and a Shabbat Shalom, and thank you so much for joining us for our studies in the book of Deuteronomy. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Shai. Bye. All right, so that's Rev. Mike Foyer, and awesome, awesome that he was with us today. And we're going to let him go uh, nighty night. He wakes up real early. God bless him. Uh, and I want to thank all of you folks out there. I guess the last verse that I wanted to do it 
Uh, so I'm going to just do it alone. And that's verse uh, chapter 20, uh, verse 19. And it's about, uh, it's about when you are besieging a city and you're cutting down trees. The Torah says, don't cut down the fruit trees. And it says, and some people read it like this. Is, is, a, is, a, is the tree like a man that you cut it down when you're, when you're besieging it? That's one, one of the reads. Another read is uh, for the tree is is like is like a man is like a human being in its value, uh, and, and a lot of other explanations. Bottom line is that there is something about us that's like a tree. Uh, we are growing in this world. We're giving shade. We we have our time. We have our strength, uh, and there are times and and there are times where the trees of the land of Israel are extremely valuable. Uh, and we see them. This is one of the verses that we use on Tubishvat, uh, to honor the trees and to honor what they bring to this world, the fruit, which is, you know, turning air and light and, and, and soil into something that's nutritious for us. It's a kind of godly magic. It's a type of mana, right? It's a type of, when a fruit comes out of a tree, it's a type of mana. It's like God created this thing to sustain us. Um, and also that we are, um, it's an environmentalist. Uh, call as well an ethic, uh, and it's also it's also something about how we see ourselves as continuously being fruitful, as growing strong with age, uh, as um, uh, providing shade, like a little bit like the Giving Tree. Uh, if you want to go back to Shel Silverstein's classic, uh, but that is another verse that that is is something to think about, and it's not even exactly understood how that that verse is to be read. Uh, Rashi reads it as the question mark is indeed. Uh, a tree like a man that you got to fight, like maybe you should spare this tree. Uh, on the other hand, it's there to tell you, like, spare the tree, but don't spare the city. If you got to fight with it, you got to fight with it. Uh, that's also something interesting, right? Which is like God created these people and they're against you. The tree is not against you. Uh, so, you know, be careful when you're building the land. One of the things that the Turks did is that they got rid of a lot of the uh, oak trees in the land of Israel because they needed them for their railroad and they just cut them down and used them for those rail. Uh, I don't know the name for that thing. You know, those, those bars along the rail lines. Uh, and you got to be careful with that because uh, if you're going to cut down those trees, you got to plant new ones and make sure that it's not going to be all deserty and, and therefore without shade. And in this heat wave, we certainly know how much we need that shade. Folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer show. I want to thank so much Lou for joining us here live to Ben Bresky, to Tabitha, to Yocheved, uh, to Moshe Herman for getting the show out to the world. And this, what we're doing live now, is also going to go on uh, our podcast, which is uh, the Ishai Fleischer Show. I'm considering changing the name of the podcast to The Good Land with Ishai Fleischer. I want to know what you think about that. So write me an email, ishaiishaifleischer.com. Thank you to our sponsors, uh, Retro Watch Guy, selling awesome, uh, sometimes refurbished, but really classic watches. Um, from from the seventies and eighties and maybe nineties, but mostly I've seen like like sixties and seventies watches, which are so cool, so stylized, and it's a great gift. Uh, and uh, you could definitely use coupon code Yishai uh, and let people know, let them know that you you heard it on this show, and I think you're going to get a great deal on a great beautiful watch. Uh, and you can use it as a second Shabbat watch if you want. Uh, another thing, another great uh, uh friend of ours is Prohibition Pickle. Uh, making life spicy and making Shabbat sweet and sour. That's exactly what you need. And I know so many folks, uh, including my uh, good friend, uh, Reuven P, 
who orders every single week uh, from uh, Prohibition Pickle. Their website is stellar and awesome. Check them out. Great Shabbat treats, Ashkenazi revival, spicy, sweet and sour, and all the flavors that you either grew up with or want to grow with from here on in. Prohibitionpickle.co.il. Of course, hebronfund.org is the folks that keep Hebron strong. Uh, and uh, the Jewish community of Hebron keeps the forefathers and mothers strong. How do you support it? Through Hebron Fund, the uh, hebronfund.org forward slash tour if you want to come and visit us uh, on our award-winning, they're not really award-winning, but I want to call them award-winning, uh, fabulous tours with Rabbi Simcha Hachman. You can meet me on the tour as well. Uh, we also have to thank the good folks at Israel365, israel365news.com, uh, and their wonderful product, the Israel Bible, which there's a mosquito in my room. I got to get it afterwards. The Israel Bible. Don't disrupt. Don't interrupt me, mosquito. I got to talk about the Bible here. This is like Abraham when the vultures came down. Uh, Theisraelbible.com. Uh, coupon code Yishai gets you 10% off of fabulous, fantastic uh, text. Beautiful Hebrew, beautiful English. Commentary about the land of Israel. Edited by my good friend Rabbi Tolly Weiss, uh, who was in Basel. Uh, for the 125th uh, commemoration of uh, the First Zionist Congress. Uh, check out theisraelbible.com. Uh, who else? Oh, yeah, one more thing is jewishpress.com. Great Jewish news right in your inbox at uh, jewishpress.com. Get their Jewish Express, one of the great news is that I read. So that's a lot of folks that make things happen. Of course, you guys also make the things happen by uh, donating and making the show more vi widely available. You go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash yishai. So easy to just buy me a cup of coffee. It makes all the difference. It makes me feel caffeinated emotionally in my soul. My soul gets caffeinated when you help out. So check out uh, buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai. And of course, the YishaiFleischer.com webpage, which has in it a donate uh, a page, which helps me do the big projects that I'm involved in, including the Israel Biblical Highway and beautification in Hebron and other places. Uh, let's see. Chaviva Braun says she prefers... The Good Land. That's right. So I, I, let's let's close off that you are listening to The Good Land with Yishai Fleischer. And I'm sending you blessings from the land of blessings, from this good land that Hashem has given us to do His will, to uh, to show Him and to see Him and, and to be seen by Him. That's right. To show Him and to be seen by Him. To be shown by Him and to see Him. Both of those are true. Write me an email, yishaifleischer.com. Lots of love, lots of blessings, lots of good things. Coming from this great place with all of its challenges, it is a time of revelation. And I promise you, that if you're listening all the way, you are a part of it. More great stuff is on the way. Stay tuned and shalom.